You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. I'm Detective Carter. Do you speak any English? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Put your bag in the back. Put your bag in the back. No, 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 no. You put your own in the back. I'm not a sky cap. I'm FBI, you understand? The hell you think this is? Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother Man, just sit there and shut up. This ain't no democracy. Yes, it is. No, it ain't. This is the United States of James Carter now. I'm the president, I'm the emperor, I'm the king. I'm Michael Jackson, you Tito. Your ass belonged to me. Why would they not want my help? about you. They don't like you. I don't like you. I don't care. I'm here for the girl. The girl don't like you. Nobody Drop likes you. will be made tonight, 11 p.m. The amount will be $50 million. $50 million? And who do you think you kidnapped? Chelsea Clinton? Keep him talking. In U.S. currency, nothing bigger than 50. All right, right, all right. Cool, cool, cool. $50 million, no problem, no problem. I want $20 million in 50. $20 million in 50. 20 million in 20. 20 million in 20s. And 10 million in 10. And 10 million in 10s. You want any fives with that? <laughs> All right. Action movie rewind every Friday here on Mackie and Judd. It's, it's the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise. We also have sports movie rewind that we mix in some Fridays. Rom-com rewind, which we mix in. But we're back in the original lane that we started in, which is action Movie Rewind. Rush Hour, 1998. Here's the summary. 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. When a Chinese diplomat's daughter is kidnapped kidnapped in Los Angeles, he calls in Hong Kong Detective Inspector Lee, played by Jackie Chan, to assist the FBI with the case. But the FBI doesn't want anything to do with Lee, and they dump him off on the LAPD who assigned wisecracking detective James Carter, played by Chris Tucker, to watch over him. Although Lee and Carter can't stand each other, they choose to work together to solve the case on their own when they figure out they've been ditched by both the FBI and the police. Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus, a kick-ass addition to the cop-buddy film genre, Mm -hmm. $35 million budget turned into $244 million at the box office. Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker. Jeb, we'll start with you. What was your key main takeaway from Rush Hour? This is very simple for me. Welcome to Beverly Hills Cop 1998. Uh, <laughs> Chris, I mean, Chris Tucker took the the Murphy playbook, uh, lock, stock, and barrel. Like it was, like it was the playbook. It was the play. I mean, they wrote fast the talking, yeah, swindling, exa- yeah, yeah, swindling, trying to. I, Okay, so two things, two takeaways to support my point. And and this is not just bashing, okay? Like, I'm dead serious. This was the same film. 
the the beginning with bad guys that aren't exactly involved with the crime uh, where the cops get shot. And it's funny because the cops get shot, but they're not killed. I told you guys I was a cop. And he blows up the car and he gets in trouble uh, with his lieutenant. The only difference is instead of uh, instead of his boss screaming at Chris Tucker's character, uh, James Carter, he assigns him. He acts like he's doing him a favor by assigning him to the FBI case. Right. And then you guys, the end, the end is the Beverly Hills cop end. The only difference there is, is he doesn't like the agents. And so he tells them to buzz off, but where they show up and do the mea culpa, Hey, you know, you weren't that bad a guy. You helped us. Despite the fact you derailed our investigation completely, (laughs) you helped us solve the case. You worked alone. And we appreciate that. When you get back from your trip, there will be an FBI badge waiting. I mean, this was, that was my takeaway. Tell me, and it doesn't mean that they're bad films, but like, what's what's the difference? It it, it had a little. I mean, it might have had a little bit of of forty eight hours too as well. But I mean, that they basically took those scripts and they're like, hey, let's try this, and it clearly from what yeah. you said about the take, it worked really well. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I mean, there there there's a ton borrowed from from. Well, and we'll get to. There's a real real tie in with. Beverly Hills Cop that we'll get to later in production notes. But yes, what about you, Dex? What was your main takeaway? My main takeaway, it's it's a beautifully tone-deaf film. And uh, even though it's 1998, which isn't that, I mean, what, it's uh, the 20, 22 years ago or so? Um, usually when we're watching movies from the 80s, you, you see more of the tone-deafness. But because it's still the late 90s and you're still riding that wave, it, they, they push the envelope actually even more. Yeah. So it, it's it's beautifully tone deaf. Um, there's off color jokes, pun intended. Um, I, I it, it's still entertaining too. Like I I've, I remember seeing Rush Hour two in theaters, and I've seen Rush Hour one before too. So this wasn't my first time seeing it. It's probably been though like five or ten years since I've seen this. Um, but it's a beautifully tone deaf film, and I I I, I usually st- if it's on TV, it's one of those ones I'll stop and I'll probably watch a few scenes with like in commercial breaks. But um, it's a it's a beautifully tone deaf film. It's hilarious. I don't think I've seen this movie in 20 years, and I'll, I, it, I, ordinarily I'd try to deviate with a different answer, but my main takeaway was the same as Declan's, which is this is glaringly, like, uncomfortably <laughs> racially insensitive. At the, at, when this movie came out, the promos they ran, I mean, Declan played a couple of the clips, right? The main promos they ran when this movie came out were Chris Tucker just condescendingly talking down to an Asian man, right? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And like, and everyone in America just, oh, it's hilarious. Asian people, like that's, that. like, I mean, that's what it was. Like it the was. whole, the, the movie was like making fun of Asian people. There's a couple, there's a couple parts in this movie where Chris Tucker is literally like, We'll send you back to where you came from. I don't know where you come from. Japan, China, you know, wherever you came from. He's just like lumping a bunch of Asian countries together. You know, it's like every stereotype that we've tried to get away from for 20 years as a country uh, plays out in this movie. And I will also add Jackie Chan was one of the biggest movie stars in all of Asia going into the late 90s. And uh, and he had done some American films, but this was his first like major English speaking role in his American film career. 
And they kind of just – like he was great in this movie and he's – to me, I think he's actually the like the star physically of this movie because he's doing all his own stunts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they basically make Jackie Chan seem like an oblivious, incompetent boob from a different country. You know, like, oh, you know, he's just like, oh, yeah, he, he's a smart guy and he's clearly smart enough to help solve this crime. But at every step, they're like, all right, you're going to be kind of the dumb Chinese guy. And it, I don't know. Uh, I think it – my I guess my main, main, main takeaway is that – I knew that we have made pro- some progress as a country and, and have a lot more progress that needs to be made, but I didn't realize we were still that insensitive in 1998. But when you look back, woohoo. So anyways, all right, back to Judd. Your favorite thing about Rush Hour. Okay, th- this is going to differ greatly probably from what you guys have, but my favorite thing was the absolute cliché. Excuse me, my notes just covered up my camera again. Uh, the absolute cliché of this film at the end, the outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> I love outtakes. They're great. And Jackie Chan, like, trying to, like, screwing up. And and uh, so at, at one point on the scene that Declan played where Chris Tucker is talking to the um, to the uh, guy who is holding the girl hostage and demanding the ransom, Chris Tucker couldn't say or couldn't remember Chelsea Clinton's name in real life. <laughs> yeah. And so he kept screwing it up. Yeah. And, and so like, but, but they're all like, Oh, that's hilariously funny. I love these action films that are just full of death. I mean, they're just, you know, they're not grim, but they're just full of death and killing. And then at the, the end it's like well before you leave the theater you can see how funny things got <laughs> on the set and, and yeah and J- you know jackie chan drops the gun and he's laughing and so uh i thought i just i don't know if we still get those but that outtakes the outtake things for action films i find to be especially hilarious i was uh, i was a big fan of the outtakes section at the end and yeah. then in and there was even sort of a behind the curtain glimpse there was there was one sequence where Jackie Chan was saying some line in English, and he got hung up on the word "caught." You know, he said "caught," "caught," and then he looks over. I mean, he you know he he didn't know how to speak English that great in terms of being on camera, and so like he probably in the three months of filming for this movie, think about how hard that would be to learn all the lines, learn how to speak them fluently enough so that the native audience can understand you on camera. Yeah, so, absolutely, um, that was cool. Uh, Dex, what was your favorite thing about this? Movie? Uh, favorite thing is Jackie Chan's a badass. I, I love Jackie Chan, man. Um, his stunts, the like, and I know obviously there's mess ups because they show him the outtakes, but like he does pull them off so, so well. It's it's awesome watching him just be completely obnoxious. And you know, you could make a case it's oh, like it, you can make a case all these stunts are completely least believable, and maybe one of you two have that in your least believable category. But at I the, actually, have. But at, at yep. the same time, the stunts seem so real. And then also just a 1B is, I mean, Chris Tucker is awesome. Like, I love fast-talking guys like Chris Tucker, so I, I, I empathize with them. So um, I, was, I was a big fan. I think, they both, I think they both just blend off so well together. So I, I, I would say my fair part is just Jackie Chan being a badass throughout the film and Chris Tucker being Chris Tucker. Yeah, Dex and I are very much aligned here so far. My favorite part of this movie is the fact that Jackie Chan does his own stunts. You know, there's a lot of big-time action movie stars that, you know, the, the minute that you have to step over a phone book or something in a scene. It's like, up, oh, stunt double, come yep. on in here, right? And and Jackie Chan came in. There's a there's a note in one of the write-ups about this movie that there's a – I can't remember which scene it was, but he's he's like on the side of a building or something. I'm just reading from the write-up. 
but they had scaffolding to sort of protect him just off camera at the scene. And he was like pleasantly surprised that they would even do that, that a lot of the, apparently a lot of the stunts that he would do in some of his earlier movies were much more dangerous and they didn't have as much protection. But I think Tom Cruise was known for doing a lot of like his own stunts too in those Mission Impossible movies. Not I've all of that. them, but yep. But he loves to run and like you know get out there and and do some of this stuff. So uh, I just loved Jackie Chan being Jackie Chan and coming in and kicking ass and all the different different movies. He's you know modern day Bruce Lee for those of us who grew up in the in the nineties. All right, what was your least favorite part about Rush Hour? The bad guy. Yeah. British which, British which, oh, okay, that guy. British okay. commander Thomas Griffin yep. was the most completely pred- like you knew. Like I don't need a lot of curveballs, but at least throw me a, a, a one change up, one curveball. You knew at the start of that film when um they they were what toasting the, the guy whose daughter eventually was kidnapped. Uh, that that guy was going to go from being, you know, my friend, my ally to being a bad guy. Yeah. You know, the, the guy who's supposed to be your friend, but it, no, he stabs you in the back. And you, you don't realize it till the very end when he pulls out a gun and says, you I, I feel like my plan. There's also the, I think this happened a lot in 90s movies. It happened in at least one or two Mission Impossible movies. It happened in Air Force One where like your right hand man guy or one of your right hand men is going to turn on you. And the way that they make the way that they foreshadow in these movies throughout the nineties is always the same, right? It's like the, like something will be discussed in the room and then the camera will linger on that one yes. guy, like a second longer. And you're like, Oh, that guy, that guy, why, why is the camera lingering on that guy? <laughs> yeah. That's and you know exactly suspicious. why. Well, and then the lines are things like, you know, you are my comrade. I'll, yeah. I would, I would never hurt you, you know, <laughs> Yeah, or I will or protect you for life. When, when the guy is talking to his his friend in air quotes about the uh, ransom, and Griffin's character says, "My advice, just pay him." It's like, oh, really? That's your advice because <laughs> you're going to get the money. So anyway, that was. I, I don't need a lot here. Like, I'm not asking for a James Bond esque storyline or something. But that character was, to me, just so predictable and pretty damn boring, too. So yeah. that was my least favorite. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in lockstep with Judd. Just the lack of an iconic villain. Um, like it, I, I do think this one, although it, yeah, it's Buddy Cop, obviously, it, it definitely teeters more on comedy than it does on action, you know? And and even with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, there is still, like, a good amount. Like, there's a good villain in that. There's a good, there's a good, also, like, a good storyline, at least, in it. Uh, with this, it's just, it's more of, they just want to get Jackie Chan to do the most ridiculous stunts and Chris Tucker to just be Chris Tucker. That's that's the whole point of this film. And honestly, bravo, that's accomplished. But at the same time, if we're looking for like our iconic bad guy, th- like he might even be, and I'm excited to do our bad guy rankings because he, he might be at the bottom because it, it's just, it, it there, there's no iconicness to it at all. So I'm in lockstep with Judd that th- there, there's no, uh, there's not a good enough bad guy for me in this film to really gravitate towards what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think I'm with you guys. I think if there was a more, I mean, the movie franchise went three movies, so obviously they did fine. Um, Real quick on, before I get to my least favorite thing, was this franchise, I'm trying to think in terms of buddy cop movies and franchises after this Mm. 21 jump street was big with um, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill. Yep. Good one. This might have been like 
this might have signified sort of the the downfall of uh, or or I guess the oversaturation of buddy cop movies. We you know 48 hours was what 1980 or something yeah. and then we went into Beverly Hills Cop and all these 80s and well, 90s. And this one to to what Declan is saying was definitely more of an attempt at at the fast talking comedy as opposed to like they kill a ton of people but it's also, you know, hey, look at that guy just fell off the roof. It ain't that, you know, a a great scene or a funny scene. So I'm trying to think, yeah, what was the next? And and was this around the time that the Fast and Furious franchise came along and, and the franchise idea started to shift as well? Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like we had, if, unless I'm forgetting completely, it doesn't feel like we had a ton of buddy cop films after this, do, and we certainly don't now. Do we consider Fast and the Furious to be a buddy cop franchise? No, no. I'm saying franchises that replaced the buddy cop franchise idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm just trying to think. I mean, I don't know. I I, I think 21 because ju- there was 21 Jump Street, and then there and then they made 22 Jump Street. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's anything really on the level. I mean, I'm sure there's been buddy cop movies that like um, uh, Ride Along. Ride Along came yeah. out, and yeah, there's been like- that was like Kevin Hart and. There, there's been mm-hmm. even like you can make a somewhat case like there's cop involved like you know super bad has two cops that play in a hilarious role in that film but right? that's like, not a buddy but cop. it's not a buddy cop right. film but then no. like you you have uh, the other guys which is like Will Ferrell Mark Wahlberg that came out like ten eleven years ago I actually it's one of my least favorite films that's ever been made I believe Rami made Derek review it on a Score North Live one time um, <laughs> and then. You also like Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz was like kind of like a goofy. I don't know if you guys ever seen Hot Fuzz. Uh, that's like, never heard of it. Definitely, it's, no. uh, it was like 2007. That was also a, a pretty good film. That's like Simon Pegg, and but um, it's not like a like a global phenomenon. Like no, these, like I'm talking. And big, it didn't start a franchise. I, I would yeah. say Rush Hour and Bad Boys were kind of the end of it. Like that was yeah, the okay. last true, like the last true one. buddy cop franchise. Yeah. Uh, least favorite part for me. So this probably could go in least believable, but there's a couple couple options in that category. So I'll use one here. <laughs> Why fifty million dollars? You know, like we should we should almost oh. go through all the different ransoms in movies. Whether it's this movie or wasn't there a ransom in Taken? Uh, yeah, I guess the movie Ransom with Mel Gibson. But like fifty million fifty million dollars on short notice in. 20s, 50s, and 10s. The denominations are the best. I, I almost feel like, listen, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in how to pull off uh, a large kidnapping ransom, but I just feel like $50 million raises too many flags and gets too many different agencies involved. You know, <laughs> it's just, it, wh- why, don't you, why don't you start small? You know, instead of one big $50 million heist, why don't you try like, 10 smaller heists for like a million dollars and work your way that way. You're just like, you're, you're too much on the radar with $50 million. I think cause it's, I think part of why they don't care about that is it's such a cartoon ultimately. And like, cause, cause you know, the bumbling FBI, right? Like there's always a bumbling, you know, the bumbling cops. Oh, Hey. And you know, I just do my own thing. I'll solve this thing. I think they just don't care about, about the potential, um, truthfulness to the entire thing. I mean, it's not plausible and they don't care. Do you guys think how many times do you think in any given year in the United States, is there some sort of ransom negotiation or discussion between criminals and the FBI? Like, do you think this type of thing happens on the down low? 
I think it does happen. And do you think the FBI ever pays? Oh, oh, no, I don't think the ransom ever gets paid, but I do think, like, there are probably crazy people that do call authorities and ask for a ridiculous sum of money. I do think that happens. We just don't hear about it enough. Do you think it still happens as much now? I feel like it was a much bigger 70s and 80s thing. Because um, it was harder to track people. And yeah, you couldn't, yeah, there, there was not the computer access. Yeah. Now, now you're like, I mean, whatever. Like, I, I suppose now you could, like, you could pay someone let get them to stand down and then just go find them with GPS tracking, take the money back. But like, I, here's what I've never gotten. Why do people now, if they do, why do they think drop sites work? You drop the suitcase <laughs> in that garbage can and I'll pick it up. No cops. You show up alone. I yeah, show like, up when, alone. Who's yeah. ever going to show up alone? <laughs> like for your own safety, right? <laughs> like forget trying to catch the person. You're just not going to show up. Like, like the whole drop site thing. It's yeah, just a I don't very know how bizarre. You, and how can you be sure that the other guy is alone, right? Like, right. yes. I, I almost feel like you bring your guys, I'll bring my guys. And then, and then, so then it's all on the up and up, not on the up and up, but like, then it's all on the right. open, right? Right. We but should like put, if, to, we should put together a ransom kidnapping consulting business. But like, yeah. if maybe, I kidnap, maybe that's the pivot here for us. If I kidnap a kid, which I've never done, but if I did, <laughs> Thanks for I'm not glad you clarified. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell mom <laughs> and dad, John, Uncle John. drop me that suitcase in a garbage can in, in Worth Park and I'll go pick her up <laughs> and no cops. Where are my parents, Uncle yeah. Judd? No cops. Are Let's go watch a hockey uncle? game, kid. Shut up. Let's go watch a hockey game. Here's a soda. I'm going to drink a Here's beer. A but I mean, think about that. <laughs> like, like, why would you, why, why would you think that that would work? You know, drop this, put the, um, put the briefcase on the south, southernmost chair at put, Central Park, or put it, in, put it in, put it in the mailbox outside the train station. Yeah, like, why? <laughs> why would you think it would work? All right, least believable thing in rush hour, Judd. Okay, I've got a lot of things, but I'm going to condense it down to one because it's a small thing, but it is, and, and it's not a rarity, but I feel that they went the extra step here. So I give them credit. I think for the most part, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker's characters are wearing the same clothes throughout much of this film, <laughs> like the same suits. Yeah, well, Chris Tucker for sure is wearing the same dirty and, suit. And there's like one scene where they're chasing the bad guy and they don't Get, get them, and the floor collapses below them, and they fall a long way, and they would clearly in real life be hurt pretty badly, but they're not hurt. But Chris Tucker's suit is, is you know, messed up. Like, he's fallen a long way. And then slowly but surely as we um, as we get through more scenes, the suit just gets cleaned up. Yep. But we always see him. He never goes home. Yeah. I don't think there's, like, a clear, okay, uh, it's nighttime, he's going to sleep, and now it's daytime. And so, oh, he put on a fresh suit. It might be the same suit, but it's fresh, right? Like, their suits, they just wear the same suit. Yeah. And there's, like, no, oh, you know, when I fell six stories, that suit, it, it how, how, how many, I don't think this was a long duration of time, right? It seemed like it was over the course of maybe just yeah. two or three days or something. Yep. I mean, they, they certainly didn't. But didn't you find that hilarious? Like, sleep. like they fell, their suits are all messed up. And then as we progress through more and more scenes, they just clean up. Yeah. Uh, it, it would that would be one of the hardest things about making movies. Like, there's always people uh, on staff in the production part where their their whole thing is about making sure everything aligns right in the movie, right? That there's no like weird glaring <laughs> issues. That where person I hope was fired. But but wouldn't it be hard in an action movie? Because you're probably doing a million different takes. You're trying to piece everything together, and throughout the course of the movie, 
you have to make sure that his suit isn't I mean, obviously they didn't do a great job, but <laughs> But why didn't you like just change like if they had just changed the suit, it'd be like, Oh, he went and changed. Yeah. Instead it just That's cleaned itself up like magically on his body. Yeah. All right, Declan, your least favorite part about rush hour. All right. My least or least believable part. Least believable least part. Believable. Her kidnapping. So it's rush <laughs> hour, right? The, the, it's it's literally rush hour. The movie is called Rush Hour, and she's taken in abandoned streets during the middle of rush hour. It doesn't make any sense. It I'm make so any glad sense. you brought this up. So let's let's go through this for a second, okay? So it's it's rush hour in Los Angeles, and the whole plan here, presumably, to kidnap this girl was to have one single traffic cop on what looked to be like a three- or a four-lane street in which that car could have been in any one of those lanes. For this heist to work, that car had to be in the right lane Yep. so that that traffic cop specifically spots the car, which is not a given, got to spot the car. It's 1998 here, right? It's not (laughs) like you got Uber open and you're tracking a car. Like, this is 1998, man. You you don't got an iPhone on you. And and so – a, car has to be in the right lane. B, traffic cop has to recognize that car while also like pretending to work as a traffic cop. And then C, everything that happens after he directs the car into that abandoned lane, right? Like, I'm with Dex here. There had to have been a different way to kidnap I'm the telling girl. you, but they just didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care. But, like, think <laughs> about this was a cartoon. Like, they, they thought as long as Tucker and Chan are good, and they were good. We don't care. No, they left huge holes, and they just like didn't. There, they had to watch the, this film when they screened it, right? And be like, that doesn't make sense. And somebody well, clearly said, "Don't worry about it." Declan and I continue to be on the same page here because my least believable thing also had to do with the kidnapping, but it was later in the movie. So you're telling me, okay? Oh. <laughs> you're telling me that this this group of savvy businessmen—they're all dressed in suits. They're at least smart enough to to, uh, to get close enough to pull off a fifty million dollar heist. There's all kinds of money and 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 uh, I would say money and connections to money and right, right. And they are housing this kidnapped gal in some room above a popular Chinese restaurant in the Chinatown part of Los Angeles. That's where you're housing the girl. Like, so that you can just walk in, walk up the steps, and, oh, there's all these criminals hanging out upstairs with security cameras on every table of the Chinese restaurant. Seems like kind of an odd place when you're dealing with a $50 million ransom to be stashing this girl. Absolutely. Now, I, th- I think in this film, I think the script for the scripts for the main characters worked well. Like, they, they had chemistry. I think it worked out. But as far as the plausibility of the scripts and as far as the care that they put into them for that, yep. it was zero. It really was. Uh, I got another question for you guys here, a little trivia question for you. So Chris Tucker, I mean, this was Chris Tucker, late 90s. You know, he was one of the most famous actors in the world at this point because of this movie. And then he wound up getting $20 million for Rush Hour 2 and then I think $25 million for Rush Hour 3. <laughs> So Rush Hour came out in 1998, not counting Rush Hour 2 and Rush Hour 3, which came out in 2001 and 2007. Any idea how many movies Chris Tucker has been in since 1998, aside from the other two Rush Hour movies? 
less than ten. Like so, so I'll, I'll ten. I'll give you. I'll give you less than that. Off. Uh, I'll say four. Two. Really. Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, great movie. That's right. He's his best friend. And then Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk in 2016. No idea what that is. Not familiar. I love him in what, Silver Linings. So what happened to him? I don't know. I was going to ask that question. What happened? He, he basically made 50-plus million dollars off the Russia, and then he got a percentage of, I think, one of the sequels or both. He also got a percentage of the box office. So that dude made ridiculous money off of the Rush Hour franchise. Yeah. And and he's and and his his background is stand up comedy. I think he's made a couple returns to stand up comedy. Um, he's hosted he's hosted the BET Awards, according to. So he's done some stuff, but like he Talented. basically did Rush Hour, and he was in Friday. He was in Money Talks, and then he was in Rush Hour Friday. Um, and Great then he pieced out, and then he was done. very bizarre. Yeah. Like like it's not bizarre to piece out eventually. Lots of guys and gals have done that, but it's bizarre to piece out that quickly after that big a franchise. And he was like thirty. Yeah, no, he's not. I think he, I know he's like fifty years old. He's not that old. He's, he's basically Judd's age. He's forty nine. Yeah. <laughs> so tell you right now, I feel old. Interesting. All right, production notes. While the Rush Hour team was determined to get Jackie Chan on board, they were less convinced about having Chris Tucker play Detective Carter. In mm. fact, Eddie Murphy was the first choice. <laughs> No! Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't read those notes. Oh, How my gosh. How about that? I mean, Eddie Murphy couldn't have done this, right? And plus, Eddie Murphy was doing so. He was doing all kinds of movies in the in the late 90s. Plus, what's the... He had like, moved, he had moved past Beverly if Hills. If he had guy. done this, what's the difference between his previous franchises and this? Yeah. No, it's uh, it would be tough. It would be tough. And wow. then uh, Eddie Murphy turned down the role. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence were also considered. They were huge TV stars in the 90s, right? Martin and uh, Fresh Prince. Yeah. And so they were considered. I don't know if they turned it down, but then Chris Tucker was eventually approached after Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Is is this before those guys did the – what's the film franchise that those guys did? The cop film. The um, buddy cop film. I think it was after. Yeah, it was after. That was after, Because that was like 95 that they did. Oh, okay. uh, uh, Rush Hour was the catalyst for the creation of the review aggregation website Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Seth Duong, the website's founder and a Jackie Chan fan, was inspired to create the website after collecting all the reviews of Chan's Hong Kong action films as they were being released in the United States. In anticipation for Rush Hour, Chan's first major Hollywood crossover, he coded the website in two weeks and the site went live shortly before the film's release. And now, obviously, it, is, it has become the biggest, most popular movie uh, archive website in the world. Wow. That's wild. I'm just going to see what that, what that dude's net worth is. Let me see real quick here. That's a great production. Sure he, I'm guessing you probably well, like even that. like Even now, like commercials, like they'll say like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. You have to see this yeah. film. You know, like they, yeah. they cited all of the Of all the films that's never that would have guessed. Never would have guessed. I wouldn't. Yeah, no kidding. The first article that pops up when you Google his name is Rotten Tomatoes founder has a few regrets on selling the company. Oh. So he sold Rotten Tomatoes back in 2004. I don't oh, know. Oh, I bet, oh, I bet he does have a few regrets yeah, now. No four, yeah. Probably wasn't. Well, four wouldn't have been a, probably yeah. the greatest time to sell. He probably still made pretty ridiculous money off sure. of selling. Yeah, but so. can you imagine now? I bet it's worth. Yeah. Or like 2017 if you had sold yeah, that sucker. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts from you guys before we get to the definitive bad guy rankings and uh, the overall ranking for the movie? No. I'm LAPD down. feels like breaking news. 
a bit of a toxic culture in the 90s, too. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, Chris Tucker getting made fun of and clowned by his coworkers. Hey, James Carter that... told those FBI a- agents, he told them both, I'm LAPD, man. You can, uh, you take, can your take your badge, that badge and, just... and stick it up your yep. ass. Yep. My God. Yeah. All right. Definitive bad guy rankings here. So the criteria we're looking for, how iconic is the bad guy? How ruthless is the bad guy? How charismatic is the bad guy? Uh, to this point, the top bad guys we have reviewed are the Terminator from Terminator, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, the Predator from Predator, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Simon Phoenix from Dem- Demolition Man, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. Boys, I think we're working in the bottom section here. So at the very bottom, Max Dent from Beverly Hills Cop 2, the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the Muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, and Cullen from Kindergarten Cop. I'll start by saying there's nothing iconic about British Commander Traitor Guy, is what we're going to call him. British Commander Traitor Guy. (sighs) There's barely anything ruthless about him. I mean, he's, no. he's like compared to the rest of the guys on this list. You know? I'd be comfortable with putting this last on yeah. our list. Wow. Wow. Because the he's supposed charismatic, the supposed bad guy turns out to be working for British commander trader guy. Yeah. Uh, like I even got confused about what, like, was this a mafia? I, I yeah. no. <laughs> last is fine. I think yeah, it's last. I mean. Man. I'm with Dex on this one. Because a lot of the other ones above him are more ruthless. There's not a lot of charisma among these bottom five or six, and there's nothing iconic. So, listen, I'm not going to fight you guys. I'm not going to fight to put him, like, above Max Dent from Beverly Hills Cop. No. So, all right. And at least, like, Max Max Dent scenes were, they weren't good. But, like, this guy had zero impact. And you knew he was the bad guy. And then when he showed himself, it was just sort of goofy. Yeah. So. All right, now we get to the uh, the 1 through 10 ranking of the entire movie, just from a, an entertainment value standpoint. The top movies we have reviewed are Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween, all a 10 across the board. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Predator, and Beverly Hills Cop, all a 9 or above. At the bottom, the worst movies we have reviewed are Demolition Man, 2.7, Kindergarten Cop, 2.8, Shoot 'em Up, 2.8, Bloodsport, 3, Mad Max, 2, 3.7. So we'll start with Judd, 1 through 10, your enjoyment level. I'm going to ding this film. I'm going to give it a 4, and here's why. Here's why. It's a cartoon. I don't like cartoon action films. (laughs) Um, I I actually thought the Tucker-Chan chemistry is good. I sort of like that. But everything surrounding them is a cartoon. It's not believable. It's not plausible. And that's okay if there's sort of a half-ass attempt to make it plausible. There was not like everything about this became cartoon like. It's a four from me. Okay. I I like this film. Like I, I, there's definitely some bias involved because I think it's just a goofy, fun film. But in terms of what we're trying to do, um, I'm I'm gonna give this a six, and I still think that might be even a little high. But I I do like this movie. There's a lot of other movies we've reviewed that I would rather never watch again in my entire life. Where this one <laughs> I can repeat and I can watch it because it's funny. Um, yeah. And that that is probably uh, bias in my ranking, but I, I'm going to give it a six. It is a six out of ten. All right, yeah, it's it's definitely not one of my favorite movies that we have reviewed. I don't know that it holds up that well. Just 23 years later, 
It's it's. I'm giving it a five point five. It's a five point five. It's not a train wreck. Certainly not up in the eight, nine, ten category. And I think just how uncomfortably anti Asian this movie is mm-hmm. is just it just doesn't hold up in that way either. Um, so it's a five point five for me, which makes it a five point two average score, tied with Pineapple Express, just behind Forty Eight Hours, Death Wish, and The Rock and Con Air. Which seems right. I wouldn't put this movie above Con Air. I think Con Air is criminally uh, low, low in our ranking scale. Who who ding that one? I think Rami and Jonathan. Rami and Jonathan are not like high on some of these movies. Yeah, I think I like that one. Yeah, so that's great. So there we have it, uh, boys. All right, so I've 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 kept a list going back to like last fall of the movies that we have thrown out and the movies that listeners want us to have on this list. So I still have a list of movies that we haven't done yet. And I'm going to throw four more into the mix for us to review over the next four weeks. And if you guys disagree with any of these, let me know. It can be a negotiation here. So here are four of them. Under Siege. Judd's been throwing out Under Siege for vote. It's a Steven Seagal classic. So we'll put it on here. Yep. Over the Top. The Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling truck driver (laughs) movie. Rocky Three, which I think is probably... The best fodder of any of the Rocky movies is Rocky Three. It's just so, it's just like everything about peak culture in the eighties. And then I know this one goes over the two-hour limit that Judd likes, but it's such a nineties classic with two icons as the stars. Face Off. People have recommended Face Off to us. So Rocky Three, Under Siege, Face Off, and Over the Top. You know what? I'm also going to add. Uh, I'm going to add a fifth one for us because this has been recommended by Declan. Threw it on here. A listener did. We're going to put snakes on a plane on this list as well. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good I one. I have never seen snakes on. I've a plane. seen yeah, parts geez. of it, but not the whole thing. Bleeping snakes off this bleeping plane. So, uh, and, uh, before I make you guys pick one at random here with the guessing a number one through five, any major objections to to these movies? No major objections. Um, I kind of feel like. I would like a unanimous decision, though. I feel like I kind of I'm kind of leaning towards us agreeing on a film and not doing a random pick. That's kind of okay. how I'm feeling. And I personally, okay. I think we should just do Under Siege. Okay, we've been we've been kicking it around. Judd's been wanting to do it. We haven't done Seagull since um, I missed him since what? It's been what, a while. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Let's I think do it. Let's just do it. Let's do Under right. Siege. Okay, Under, Under Siege. Siege. Little some tight Steven Seagull jeans probably, and a slick back wet ponytail. Really punching. People, I guess is very little off, to do, very little offense from his opponents. Gary Busey too. <laughs> oh man, Love Gary Busey. Uh, yeah, Tommy Lee <laughs> Jones. Oh yeah, I'm in. Dude, this is great. There's All a right. lot going Sweet. on with this movie. Yep, one forty three. Under siege next week. <laughs> one forty three. Yeah, on action movie Love rewind. It. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope hopefully you have uh, a fun holiday weekend. We will be live on the Score North YouTube channel, or at least Judd's Hockey Show will be. Maybe they'll get a cameo from uh, the Hockey Whisperer if this game pans out the way that he knows that it will. And so as long as the Wild want to keep playing hockey, we've got basically daily content coming at you on Mackie and Judd and Judd's Hockey Show. So uh, we'll see you guys soon. And this is cool, man. Hung's let me go to Hong Kong with you. You know I ain't been on no vacation in five years. We can hang in my crib. I will show you my hood. Now, you can show me a couple of them Chinese girls. When I get over there, I want a massage because I'm going to get buck wild. No police work for two weeks? How long is this flight? 15 hours. 15 hours? What are we going to do for 15 hours? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, <laughs> hell no. Nah. Let me tell you, 